1: I know this is very counterintuitive right the average investor out there is probably you know listening to this and saying okay um, you know I'm hearing all about you know inflation and, and natural gas is going ridiculously higher uh, oil is still staying up you know above $100 a barrel so it must be a bullish case to buy um, buy energy and buy commodities overall but what the crazy thing about this is and this is this could be a signal that we're coming to a pivot top in all of these commodities and getting ready for a fall is that this this bloomberg commodity index djp is absolutely showing me the same sort of distribution which is this was this was the epic panic run up then it had a sell-off, and then look at how it's struggling to get back to that same high up here. And so for me, when I see this, I see distribution, which again, distribution is where smart money or or money that's in the know, usually hedge funds institutions, they're saying, okay, we know we have a lot of smaller investors buying here. There's so much hype. There's so much chatter on the news out there about commodities and how inflation is here to stay. And so they're buying into it. And the, the reason you're not seeing this break to the upside and bust right through is because there's there's individuals or there's players that are selling into that.
0: I'm Bill Powers, it's Money Stock Education. Thanks for tuning in again today. Well, charts are indicative of human emotions and uh, people's perception of value driven by fear and greed. So we're speaking today with Gareth Soloway. He's a master trader over at InTheMoneyStocks.com, so he can break down some charts for us as it relates to the commodity and mining sector. Gareth, welcome back onto the show. Let's jump right into it. Energy's been in the news, uh, especially with the war. Uh, there's always a talk of energy and commodities when you're looking at nations fighting each other. The first ETF I'd like you to look at to analyze is XLE,
1: this energy sector ETF. What do you see going on here? Yeah. So thanks, Bill, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be back and uh, I love talking charts. So the first thing I see on this chart is that XLE, again, notice this high pivot right here. Let me zoom in a little bit. So this high pivot here, and you can see how there's a lot of chop in here sideways, and we haven't taken out that high just yet. So that's the first thing as a technician that I'm going to be focusing on is asking myself or monitoring whether or not this high gets closed above, right? So what, what you often see is you see these kind of explosive moves and then there's a pullback and then there's a lot of chop inside of that. And what really is going on here is there's a lot of distribution going on. So the reason why the XLE hasn't just busted way above this previous high right here is because there are certain sellers that are selling into this, even with the buyers. So it's taking a lot longer to get back to that level. Now, it doesn't mean it can't break out, but this would be a warning sign that would tell me that, hey, listen, maybe some of these kind of these, these energy plays are getting a little bit extended and maybe some of the bigger money is starting to sell it into, into this rally. So this would be a little cautionary signal for me, especially when you zoom out and you see the type of run we've seen in the XLE recently. So that, that would be my take on it at this point. Let's go to DBA, the Agricultural Fund. Absolutely. So another remarkable, remarkable chart here, the agriculture fund. Uh, um, Here you can see that we have pierced that high pivot right here. So again, very similar to the chart, but look at how quickly it kind of got pushed right back down. So again, this is another chart where I would look at this and I would say this is a short term double top. Don't necessarily, and this is just speaking from my perspective, is I would not be chasing these things up here. Um, I look at it and I hear all of the inflationary chatter, all of the hype out there. And I'm I'm kind of programmed, I've programmed myself to be inverse to that. So when I hear a ton of hype, I think to myself, okay, every small investor is now trying to get in at these highs. That's usually the end of a run. So I'd be much more cautious here. And again, even though you pierced the high here, the fact that you came back below tells you it's not a very strong potential breakout and you want to be on the more cautionary side.
0: When you're looking at the XLE or the DBA, the Agricultural Fund,
1: do you at all, factor in headlines, or you purely look at the charts? I I do pay attention to headlines just mainly because I want to know what's going on, but I have a, my, my, my trading history, at least over the the last 10 years, has been one that I've noticed when headlines hit and something has already rallied significantly, smart money knew that this was coming. And, And smart money is big institutional money. They have billions of dollars to kind of find things out before you and I. And so they're in the trade. And oftentimes what you'll see is that when headlines hit, headlines are for the masses. So the average investor sees the headlines, they buy into it, and then that's where the institution is using the headlines to unload their position. They need volume. They need buyers to sell into. And so a lot of times you'll see headlines be the top of moves after a major move to the upside. So there's intentional manipulation <laughs>
0: or strategic yeah, advantage mean, to the big players here?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's tricky to kind of go in, into that point where I, I don't necessarily want to say it, but but in other words, I would, I would say, yes, smart money is using... The headlines. And it's real, they're real headlines, right? So it's not like they're making up the headlines, but it's it's a real headline. They're just saying, all right, we have a million shares of DB, DBA or something. We need volume to be able to sell into that without crashing it. So we're gonna wait for this coming headline and sell into that buy volume. And usually again, once you see big money starting to unload, it's usually the, the, the top.
0: If you're looking for a specific trade, are there certain people that you follow their trades? So for example, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell...
1: US yeah, politicians, it, for those that don't know. So, so the one thing I've learned about politicians is, is that they're no better than average investors, right? So so again, you know, if you look at some of Nancy Pelosi's trades or the options that she was doing, or any of these other uh politicians, they're ruled by the same thing small investors are ruled by. So it's all about hype. Now, there are scenarios where it might come out later on that they were in some options on something, and then there was a big legislation. There was big legislation passed. That is needless to say, insider information and should be be looked into. But a lot of times, these politicians, you'll notice they're buying technology at the highs just like average investors before we've seen this big pullback in technology. They're really caught up in the emotion of it, right? They get swayed by all the natural things that we all get swayed by. So for the most part, I don't pay attention to it. I'm much more apt to look at what some big hedge fund manager is saying. A big hedge fund manager that has been around, their commentary is much, much more important. So when we see like uh, Pelosi buying call options on Microsoft
0: before a Microsoft government contract is granted, or some politicians buying some stocks that did well uh, in the, the COVID crash that was uh, that we saw, you know, they knew that was coming before the government announced the response, which caused stocks to crash. So we see those in the headlines or people on Twitter kind of bemoaning this. But you're saying if we looked at their stock picking overall, it's not so impressive.
1: Yeah, so, so exactly what I'm saying, right? So so I know Pelosi was buying, you know, at the beginning of the year or late last year, a bunch of options on technology stocks. We obviously know that the NASDAQ 100 has been, been hammered since basically the start of the year. Um, so for the most part, a lot of them, if you take them as a group of 100 trades together, they're, they're not much better than the average investor. But you're right, in certain scenarios, they're going to get information. Like at the start of COVID, they knew probably the severity of it. And so they were able to position themselves and that, again, should be illegal and that should be looked into. But again, if if you look at in general their investments, they're not much better than, than you or I or anyone else. So let's look
0: at the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Uh, are commodities continuing to look bullish in your view?
1: Yeah. So, so right now you have that same sort of distribution pattern that we've been seeing on a lot of things like the agricultural ETF that we pulled up uh, as well as the XLE. And so I know this is very counterintuitive, right? The average investor out there is probably, you know, listening to this and saying, okay, um, you know, I'm hearing all about, you know, inflation and, and natural gas is going ridiculously higher. Uh, Oil is still staying up, you know, above a hundred dollars a barrel. So it must be a bullish case to buy, um, By energy and by commodities overall. But what the crazy thing about this is, and this is this could be a signal that we're coming to a pivot top in all of these commodities and getting ready for a fall is that this this Bloomberg Commodity Index, DJP, is absolutely showing me the same sort of distribution, which is this was this was the epic panic run up then it had a sell-off. And then look at how it's struggling to get back to that same high up here. And so for me, when I see this, I see distribution, which again, distribution is where smart money or or money that's in the know, usually hedge funds institutions, they're saying, okay, we know we have a lot of smaller investors buying here. There's so much hype. There's so much chatter on the news out there about commodities and how inflation is here to stay. And so they're buying into it. And the, the reason you're not seeing this break to the upside And bust right through is because there's there's individuals or there's players that are selling into that and they're keeping from it so when you see for instance here in one two three four five six seven days it went to this high right here and then look at how many days even from this low which was higher than this point here where we started look at i mean two four six eight ten twelve fourteen i mean you're basically at 20 days if not more and it hasn't even gotten through that so this to me this is where i start to look at it and i say okay Now, this might be a shortable signal. These might be, if I could find some other factors that are pointing to a pullback, this might be a good shortable opportunity in some of these commodities for maybe over the next couple of months, a pretty substantial pullback. So, this wouldn't be a bull flag, what we're looking at here. This is No, if believe it or not if anything so if anything it's more of a bearish pattern you see this reversal and then this t- sort of pattern right here how your big sharp move down bull flags are much more vertical moves which you did get right here but bull flags need to have a slight decrease in price right Here you're seeing where it's kind of been an up and then down and then up and then down. It actually looks a lot like what we would see on the Bitcoin chart or something like that over recent history, which is now starting to break a little bit lower. So I'm much more apt to this would be more of the bull flag here where it's angled to the downside like this versus this one off of this down move is angled to the upside. So much more of a bearish type inside bar pattern right now.
0: Could the increased volatility we see in that little section you're highlighting, could that be due to war or are you, so is there an increased volatility factor due to war?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially when you see, I mean, if it was a war in some some part of the world where it didn't have any influence on commodities, then I don't think so. But but there's no doubt that anything involving Russia and Ukraine has a massive, massive Im- impact on natural gas, on oil, on wheat. I mean, so many things. I mean, even, even metals like platinum and and other things like that, there's absolutely a disruption there. So you do see that added volatility. And, and likewise, I think if you ever saw peace develop and, and things to go back to semi-normal you probably see a big drop in the commodity prices there.
0: All right, let's see if we see this chart pattern in a a huge diversified miner tech,
1: T-E-C-K. Sure, let's take a look. Yeah. So, so this is a little, a little bit different. In other words, you're making slightly higher highs here. So that's a, it's a little bit of a different pattern versus the bigger pullback. Um, What I would continue to watch, and it looks to me like you have almost this longer term trend line of resistance here. So you can go all the way back to early 2021. And notice how you keep on banging on this line. This line is resistance. So this would be a good opportunity where I would actually, I mean, it's a, it's a different chart setup than what we saw in the commodity ETFs. But for the most part, this is telling us that you're hammering into resistance. And if you look at this, I mean, you could even make a case that you kind of kissed it right here. Every time it gets to this point, you're getting some sort of pullback, pullback, pullback. And the idea is you would expect that same sort of pullback here, on this T-E-C-K. So so again, this would actually, I'm going to actually write this down on my list for a potential research to do more research on in case I want to pull the trigger on a little bit of a short trade.
0: Okay. Let's talk gold. N-E-M, Newmont Mining, the Bellwether,
1: Major Miner, Newmont mining. So Newmont mining, you can see here I have a bunch of trend lines going back quite a ways. In fact, let me zoom out for everyone so we can see where these are coming from. And you can see you have this double top going back to 87. Holy cow. Oh wow. I mean, <laughs> Were yeah, you alive, Gareth? <laughs> I was, okay. but I was only seven, I was only seven years okay. old. But yeah. <laughs> but that's incredible, huh? So look at the move this has had. I mean, this has had an amazing move, very extended. I could see it getting so see this trend line right here from this top to this top. It could mean that that Newmont Mining has a little bit more upside, maybe to the $87 range or so. Um, but there, that would be some area where I would expect a pullback on Newmont Mining as well. Okay. Silver Juniors, S-I-L-J. S-I-L-J. Let's take a look at that. I'm going to go back to my daily since we don't have as much history on that chart. So silver, silver actually looks reasonable. This is the first chart that actually looks decent to me, and, and in terms of of potential being a buyer. I mean, the other ones all are kind of extended. They look like they have distribution out there in them, which is again selling pressure from from usually institutions that are kind of selling into to retail investors. This one's different. This one actually has what I would consider more of a bullish pattern, and it's not extended, right? So I hate charts that have run up, you know. or 50% or 100%. This one, it's been in consolidation for a long period of time and it's had a move up here, but this is digesting that move up. And it looks to me like if it can break above this $15, 15 cent level, this has a good shot of making a move up to about 18. So that could be a positive here, where again, if you think through the process, right? So silver is an industrial metal. War in, in Russia is affecting commodities in in the high price of commodities, you can extrapolate to say, okay, it's going to slow the economy, right? Because, you know, people can't buy as much. It takes more of their money to buy food and energy. And if you see some sort of commodity drop Silver actually could be a, a asset that appreciates because it'll help the global economy speed back up. If prices come down, people have more disposable income. And this almost makes sense in that thesis where you could be looking at a short-term breakout, very close to a breakout on something like silver, the uh, silver miners, maybe with an upside target of 18. Not a bad percentage gain for a short-term move, maybe to you know $3 to the upside.
0: As you know, silver is powered by inflation, too. Like we saw in the late 70s when it hit an all-time high. So maybe add your commentary on the inflation aspect of silver.
1: Yeah, so inflation for me, I mean, again, I'm a big thinker that you're going to continue to see inflation. I do think it's going to see a pullback in the not-too-distant future. But I think it's important for us out there to realize that inflation is not going back to 2%. The Fed, the Fed has let that genie out of the bottle. It's not going back in. Do I think it's going to be at 10% for the next five years? I don't think so. I think it's going to come back into probably about 5 to 6%. So you're going to have this long-term inflation issue, which as you're mentioning, is going to be very, very bullish for gold and silver as well. So gold and silver, longer term, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with. I love the short-term chart here on the silver miners, looks really, really good. Um, so again, short-term, long-term, great, great opportunity in my opinion.
0: Gareth, you've pointed out that the narrative for traders and investors have been has been, don't fight the Fed. So if they're going to inject all this liquidity, stocks are going higher. Now they're talking about tightening. They are raising interest rates. Maybe talk about the Fed's impacts on the market and how that is affecting you as a trader.
1: Yeah, and we'll go back to big screen here just so we can talk about this. But I think I think it's so important to understand that you know the commentary from analysts and, and talking heads and everyone out there when the market was going up over the last ten years, twelve years since two thousand and nine, and there was QE one, QE two, QE two point five all the way through the COVID stimulus, it was always don't fight the Fed. And realistically, that was the right move. I mean, yes, you had pullbacks at various points, but for the most part, the markets went higher. Well, now you have to say to yourself, the Fed is clearly saying, and they they can't keep inflation at these levels. They have to bring it down. So they have to remove liquidity from the system. They have to raise rates. So if you're going to go by that same sort of thing of don't fight the Fed, then you have to say it on the other side, in which case you need to be a defensive investor, more cash, more commodities, more. And and when I'm saying commodities, gold and silver, predominantly, um, not ones like ag that are overextended. But I think that's the way you have to view it right now and look to be more of a nimble investor, someone who doesn't say, hey, I'm going to buy something and just forget about it for five years. I think you actually have to be someone who looks to buy key supports at dips and then don't stick around too long. You want to sell into the bounces and the rips. So that's the key at this point. And I I really think that you have to remember if, if the analysts were telling you not to fight the Fed on the way up, then you shouldn't fight it on the way down as well.
0: Gareth, the argument uh, for bullishness towards US stocks was made to me in regards to the US dollar. If other nations no longer need the US dollar to buy oils and they don't see it as uh, a reliable world reserve currency, then all of those dollars are going to rush back home, as in here where you and I live in the USA. And the primary thing that they would buy is stocks, even despite what the Fed's doing. Therefore, stocks are going to continue to roar higher. Uh, How would you engage that opinion?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I agree that longer term, like if you're asking me 10 years out, is the dollar still as dominant as a reserve currency? I would say no. But in the near term here, the markets aren't going to be like, oh, well, in 10 years, the the reserve, you know, maybe the dollar isn't needed as much. And they're not going to react at that point. The markets always react on greed and fear based basically on the next six to 12 months. And in the next six to 12 months, I mean, in all fairness, the dollar has actually been appreciating in value because of the war in Ukraine and very Various other things. So you have to remember that the markets don't react to something 10 years out, they react to something in the next six to 12 months. In the next six to 12 months, you're not going to see a, all of a sudden, you know, these countries say, hey, we're not going to use the dollar anymore. It is still the dominant currency. Um, I do think eventually it won't be. But but at this point in time, in the near term, the dollar's king.
0: Alibaba, you've done well in that trade. Are you still bullish China?
1: Yeah, so so it I, I did take profits in Alibaba. Let me show that chart because I think it's a really cool technical chart to show. You can see here, Alibaba had this big drop and it was in a down move. And then it had this big pop. It it went from $70 basically to 120. I did take profits on this run up um, and, and it is now consolidating back down. I will be looking to enter this again, but notice again where I took profits. There's always a technical reason, right? So you see this trend line here. Amazing how you can just see constant hits of the trend line and that's been pushing the price back down. So what I'm looking to do is I'm basically looking at this, this is the beginnings of kind of a bullish consolidation pattern. I'll probably start around $90 to reaccumulate all the way down to this kind of area down here in the 70s. And then I'll look for that next move up to occur. But I am very bullish in China. Uh, I continue to be. I love the fact that they're working with the SEC to l- keep stocks that listed here in the United States. I think that's a huge move. It allows investors here to participate and invest, and it'll let big money start to inch back in. It's important to recognize, though, that China still has risks. So it's not something, I mean, you don't put 100% of your portfolio in China names. You allocate a certain percentage, maybe 10%, to have exposure in China. This way, if things don't go according to plans, you're not losing a ton of your, your total portfolio. But I do think, again, the markets will look outside the United States. Investors will look outside the United States for the next bull market. I think, again, with the Fed tightening, they're telling you, and smart money knows this, not to fight the Fed. So they're going to look for areas around the world, maybe South America, maybe China, various other parts where the Fed isn't an issue there. And I think that's the key.
0: So then those, those economies can't be linked to the US dollar, then that's where you would look for potential good places outside the US?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's key is is that that they they have central banks where they are that are not as stringent on on reigning in inflation, um, and that they'll they won't be looking to tighten as much. And I also think that if you look at allocations over the last five years, especially even since COVID, money has come from overseas to the United States to invest. So so much money is here, and that money at some point is going to say, "Okay, we're not getting the returns." I mean, look at the market this year alone. If this continues for another six or twelve months that those money managers are going to say, hey, listen, if we want the money to stay with us, we need to go find markets that are doing better. And they're going to have to look outside the United States. So I think China is one of those areas where you see valuations very, very low. South America is also another area there. And other parts of the world as well will definitely be the recipient.
0: There's been talk about here in the US how some traders have moved out of transport into utilities. Is that a trade you're making? Or what might be some other good recession trades?
1: Yeah, so so for me, recession trades are, are, you know, obviously the metals, right? Gold and silver, those are big ones, especially with inflation where it is. Um, We have seen a big pullback in the transports, which could denote, um, you know, a recession in the not too distant future. Um, That makes a lot of sense considering the Fed hiking rates is going to slow the economy. We know commodity prices are are slowing the economy as well. So for me, I'm looking at like quality tech names that are not participating in the upside. So one of them, for instance, for me, I, I really do think that a company like IBM is an interesting one. If you look at IBM over the last like you know, six, you know, six years or so, it hasn't really done anything. But I like companies like that. It pays a good dividend. It has a low PE ratio. No one's expecting anything from it. It's not priced like a Tesla out there. And it leaves the door open for them to kind of surprise Wall Street, plus pay a good dividend in a higher inflationary and uncertain. Could period. it go the so, way of
0: Blackberry, though, and just totally disappear? And you know
1: it could be, but they've really gotten into different cloud stuff and different they're getting into AI. So that they've to me, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, they're making the right pivots to make. Make sure that they're involved in the future growth areas and it's not priced as if they're involved in those growth areas at this point i think they report earnings this week so i'll be paying very very close attention to it but but for the most part i like quality names you can see a trend line right here beautiful trend line if price could get above this you could be at, on the verge of a big breakout and listen i think i think it's important to recognize that in a bear market if we're in a bear market it's not so much about well where am i going to make a hundred you know 100 percent on my money it's more about well where can i make a solid Maybe ten percent. It pays a dividend, and I'm going to protect myself against some of the crazy stuff that's going to happen to stocks like Tesla and Apple. Some of these overpriced tech names that that have way too much money allocated to them at this point. But you kind of have to be chomping at the bit,
0: I would guess, right? Because you make more money in a bear market as a trader than you do in a bull market that exactly. yes,
1: yes. Yeah. In, in general, you're right. So so the bear markets or at least at least choppy markets, choppy is, is where a swing trader really makes the majority of their money. A swing trader hates that slow grind up where it just never goes down much, but never goes up, and there's no volatility. The type of market we're in now where we see, you know, some of these tech names drop 30, 40 percent, fit we've seen like stocks like SC, Roku, um, you know, all of these names collapse, Zoom, fall, those are the ones where we can buy after it's down. 50 60 70 percent and we can make 20 30 percent in a very short amount of time if we know what we're doing so so you're right i i absolutely like those type of environments but they're also it's not for everyone right you have to be a certain type of trader you have to have studied for a long period of time or you can get hurt quite a bit
0: Gareth, your website is inthemoneystocks.com. So give investors that are listening a taste of what you offer. What is your worst trade of the past three months since we last spoke and your best trade of the last three months?
1: Wow. So so worst trade right now for me is I am short natural gas. We're out of the money a little bit, not a ton, but it's it's been frustrating. I mean, the amount of movement up here, um, I just picked up more on the short side of UNG. I'm playing UNG via short trade. Um, so I added to it this morning. Um, so we're keeping our average. One of the things I do is I just do a little bit in a little time. So I start inching into the positions. This way, if they do go against you, you have that ability to keep your average close. And then ultimately what I do is is look for that big reversal, which I do think will come but right now that certainly is the the kind of the the thorn in my side in terms of a trade. In terms of, of the best one, I would say I would say we have a bunch of them. They're just consistent where we get in, we get out in a few days with these big tech bounces. Uh, Zoom has been a great one. Teladoc has been a great one. A lot of these that have been beaten down are just fantastic. And at in when I enter a position or when I put out a trade signal, I'm giving you the exact entry, the exact exit. And we can just, you know, basically people can just follow everything I do.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing your insights. I really appreciate it, Gareth. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill.
1: Have a great day.
0: The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost 50 or $100,000 and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the